1: After the Apocalypse, A Pandemic Survival Story, Season 4, Episode 12, Coffee. Coffee. It wasn't great coffee. "'But at this point, who complained about coffee?' "'It reminded Brent of that horrid, watery, instant coffee "'the British drank on his deployment in the UK. "'Nescafe, polluted so heavily with petrochemical-derived creamers and sugar "'that it was more of a science project than a coffee.' He relaxed into the cafeteria chair and dreamed about good coffee. Ah, but the good stuff, he reminisced, leaning back in the sun of the window, closing his eyes and feeling the gentle heat of the sun through the glass on his face. Dark espresso, pressed in small cups and so strong... "'It made your tongue curl around your teeth.' "'He smiled. "'Earth to Brent, may I sit?' "'Mag said, breaking his reverie. "'He had heard her come in, but lingered in his memories anyhow, "'letting her approach the table before opening his eyes. "'Of course. Welcome.' Stretching his arms out wide, his smile beamed, and his dress shirt looked tight and crisp in the morning sun. "'I'm not waking you up, I hope,' Mags asked. "'No, I was just reminiscing about a time when I was stationed at Panama, and the freshly roasted coffee was so good you realize why Thomas Jefferson called coffee the favorite drink of the civilized world.' He glanced dismissively at the generic, white ceramic cup in front of him on the table. "'I'm afraid this is all I can offer you, and it pales in comparison.' "'It's better than no coffee at all,' she said, returning his smile. "'That it is,' he agreed. They fell into an awkward silence. Brent tapped a fingernail on the side of the cup "'realized he was doing it and stopped. "'Are you ready for the big conference today?' "'Mags asked. "'As ready as I'm gonna be. "'What has your general got that's new or different "'from what you and I already talked through?' "'I won't speak for him,' Brent said diplomatically.' "'But he places real importance in his mission "'to revive a functioning United States, "'like we talked about at the D.C. "'And what about you?' "'Mags asked. "'What do you want?' "'Honestly, that's a big question, "'and one I've been asking myself lately. "'I'm not sure I know.' "'Mags looked at her left hand and did not say anything. "'Did you lose someone?' "'He asked gently.' "'She shrugged. "'Didn't we all?' "'A long moment passed. "'He had lost friends and family. "'They all had. "'Brent saw her thinking and remembering "'and gave space to the cascade of emotions "'that must be going through her mind. "'He could imagine what she was feeling— they had all been so focused on surviving in the months after the apocalypse. They hadn't had time to grieve. They had numbly responded to the terrifying barrage of events, and no one had had time to think about the future or mourn the past. Now the dust was settling, and the weight of everything, everyone they had lost was beginning to manifest. "'I'm sorry,' Brent said sincerely. "'What are you thinking about?' She looked at him. "'I'm feeling happy to be talking with you, but at the same time, guilty for that happiness. It's not logical, but allowing myself to be happy somehow seems wrong, like a betrayal, like it violates a memory.' "'Mags wiped her eyes and smiled at him. "'But it's okay. "'We survivors have to keep moving forward, right? "'That's the best way to honor the people we've lost, isn't it? "'I guess it is.' "'He agreed. "'Brent thought about the people he had lost. "'When the end came, he wasn't in a relationship.' but he understood what she meant. Happiness felt odd and somehow wrong in the apocalypse. It seemed they were both trying happiness back on like an old pair of leather shoes that had hardened and shrunk and didn't quite fit anymore. What are you going to do now? Brent asked. I'm going to live life. She said without hesitation and with a look of conviction, I'm going to take what's left and make it good. That's how we honor their memories. And what does living life mean to you? How do you make it good? It's simple. I'm going to work with those we've saved, the good people, and build a community where we can live safely and raise the kids the way they should be raised. So, village life... "'Little house on the Tennessee prairie. "'Build a motor on your town and what? "'Grow oats and raise cattle?' "'He asked, slightly incredulous. "'What about the rest of the country, the world?' "'They can look after themselves. "'That's out of my control. "'You go ahead and tilt at windmills. "'I've got my mission, and it's right here where I can make it, "'with my people. "'It's what I can control.' It's the impact I can make for them, and I'm going to make the most of it. "'But what if it's not an either-or?' Brent asked. "'Why can't we do both? Why can't we protect what we have and work to reconnect the state to expand a future for more and more survivors? I think we have an obligation to let people know and create opportunity to benefit the largest number of people.' "'Otherwise, we're just isolated islands of civilization,' he concluded. "'Maybe you can,' she said kindly. "'But I'm too old, too tired, and I don't want to waste what life I have left on a government I never trusted that much to begin with. You go ahead, but I'm investing my capital in the kids and the community I have left.' "'Brent thought hard about this. "'He inhaled deeply and looked away. but he could smell her, "'and she smelled nicely of flowers and yoga in the sunshine. "'He knew his brain was trying to besot and betray him, "'but it wasn't a bad feeling, "'and it washed away some of the crust of death "'that had settled on him over the months "'since the world had ended.' "'Maybe he was gripping the past too tightly. "'Maybe he was missing the point. "'But what about the general and establishing the government? "'He pushed that line of thought aside. "'Enough with politics. "'What had politics ever done for anyone? "'He was here.' "'Now, with a woman who has smelled like flowers in springtime "'and had a smile that lit him up inside, "'to hell with politics!' "'I find your reasoning hard to argue with, Margaret.' "'Brent smiled and squeezed her hand. "'Maybe when this knight-errant returns from his labors, "'you could make room on your farm for one more.' "'What have you got in mind, Mr. Dominion?' How about I start a coffee farm or a vineyard and make the best wine in the country? We could open a shop or an inn. He joked. A bed and breakfast. And would I be involved in these plans? Mags grinned, raising a querulous eyebrow. I think I could work you in somehow. He resisted an urge to finish with a wink. As your mean old landlady, "'Wagging her finger and collecting the rent on the first of the month? "'No, you're too nice to be a landlady.' "'He smiled, shaking his head. "'Maybe... something more personal? "'Like your housekeeper?' "'She said in mock horror. "'Too menial. You can do better.' "'He assured her, warming to the topic. "'You're a kept woman, then?' "'She smiled, "'Obviously enjoying the tete-a-tete. "'Now you're talking!' "'He laughed. "'I have to warn you. "'I'm too old to repopulate the planet, Mr. Dominion. "'It doesn't hurt to dream,' he concluded. "'Well, when you're done saving the world, "'you can ride your racinante back into town, "'and I'll have a spot of ground for you to plant your vineyard and grow your beans.' "'She got serious.' But don't waste too much time. I think we've used up all our second chances. I'd hate to miss out on this one.'' Brent was formulating a joke about sowing oats when the cafeteria door swung open and the old man bustled in with a bulging backpack slung over his uninjured shoulder. He looked behind him and said, ''Come on, I don't have all day.'' He held the door open with his foot and the big dog trotted in behind him. He saw the two sitting at the corner table. Mags pulled her hand away and leaned back. Brent leaned on his elbows and smiled. "'Hey, what's this, some pre-meeting conspiracy?' he asked. "'Just talking about the future,' Maggs said." "'I'm trying to help the captain here find his way in the world.' "'He could do worse than you!' "'The old man responded, then, realizing his faux pas, quickly added, "'As a counselor, adviser I mean.' "'That I could,' Brent agreed, smiling at Mags and removing the awkwardness of the moment. "'How about you? You going somewhere?' "'Yeah.' "'Gonna go with those two boys. "'They have a girl south of here that has a baby. "'Maybe I can help them with postnatal care "'and learn something about how the plague works "'with the next generation.' "'He paused. "'I'm gonna figure this disease out, "'and we're going to beat it.' "'Bill wandered over to Mag's, tail wagging, "'and laid his head in her lap, "'looking up at her expectantly.' She scratched behind his ears. ''Who are you taking with you?'' she asked. ''I wasn't planning on taking anyone with me besides Bill,'' he responded, as if surprised by the question. ''Even a surly old go like you, especially one that just got out of the med-tent, shouldn't go off alone. We don't want to lose you, after all the trouble we took to put you back together.'' Brant watched them interact with the familiarity of soldiers who have fought together. He chimed in. Why don't you take Janet with you? She seems formidable. Yes, that she is, the old man agreed. But she hasn't been as interested in me since we found my son, Paul. Seems like she's moved on to other projects. Well, don't be an idiot. Take someone with you. "'You're not getting any younger,' Mags said. "'Speak for yourself, lady,' the old man shot back. "'And I don't have a problem with company "'as long as they don't get in the way or slow this geezer down.' "'Mags brought the conversation to a close by deciding for them all. "'We'll ask Paul who should go with you after the meeting.'
0: "'And
1: she stood.' "'We'd better be heading over to the auditorium. "'It's almost time.' "'Janet sat off to one side in a middle row "'and surveyed the college auditorium. "'It was like a small theater, "'like a place where Greek or Roman orators "'would argue about the law. "'She pictured hairy old men in togas "'gesticulating comically.' not entirely dissimilar from how some of her own law professors had been. Janet was interested to see what this new player, the general, would bring to the table. She had been at loose ends since chasing off the king. It was a shame she hadn't caught him and killed him, but the world was still falling apart with lawlessness, and he wouldn't be the last.' She had fulfilled her promise to the old man and helped him find his son. She felt satisfied about that. Janet prided herself on being a say-do person, and she had delivered. But now that the action had paused, the people she lost started to crowd their way into her thoughts. Ruminations about her husband and her children— Filled her brain like sad ghosts asking for attention. She had survived, but she couldn't save them. Janet felt guilt and recrimination. She needed something to focus on, something to take her mind off the past. A white "'Wail to pursue, to keep those ghosts at bay "'and maintain what little was left of her sanity. "'Maybe in this general's visit she would find something new. "'His appearance could be the harbinger of a project for her.' "'Light flooded in from high windows and framed the elevated stage.' people started to arrive. Mac and some of his boys came in and filled a row a few seats behind. They carried their weapons like it was a town meeting in the Old West. Willie emerged from a side alcove and slid next to Janet on the outside without comment. The old man came down the center aisle with Bill on his heels, nodding to Janet and sitting in the front row. He dropped a stuffed backpack into the chair next to him. Bill the dog collapsed his haunches to the floor at the old man's side and sat alert and observing with his head slightly cocked. A folding table and some chairs had been set up for the dignitaries on stage and soon enough paul and mags entered accompanying the general the general for his part was a full foot taller than the other two and walked erect as if on parade he wore his service cap his pink and green dress army uniform was impeccable "'There was murmuring from the audience. "'Someone commented that they couldn't remember "'the last time they saw a collar and tie. "'Someone else answered that they had hoped ties "'had died in the apocalypse. "'This produced a muted, uncomfortable laugh. "'Maisie the pit bull waddled along obediently "'at his side on a short metal chain.' "'Bill's ears perked up, and his tail twitched at the newcomer. "'He emitted a low growl in his throat. "'The old man warned him and whispered German to stay put. "'Bill settled back and wiped the theatre floor with his bushy tail. Maisie saw Bill and growled, pulling back.' "'The general gave her choke collar a pop "'and kept walking to the stage. "'Brent and the two representatives of the zoo, "'Margie and Phil, "'followed a few steps back with deference. "'Brent scanned the room's shadowed corners with his eyes. "'Janet was amused.' It seemed to her that they were being overly ceremonial for the meeting of a couple bands of survivors. She remembered so many of her own meetings and the armies of stuffed shirts she had to deal with. Humans loved their theater and ceremony. Once everyone was settled in the chairs on stage, Paul introduced the topic "'I'd like to welcome General Ottweiler. "'He has requested to speak to representatives of the three survivor communities.' "'He turned to the general and said, "'The floor is yours, sir.' "'Janet wondered about the sir part of that. "'Maybe the kaiju affected it, "'not being able to resist the presence of a uniform.' She watched the general remove his service cap and set it with professional care on the table before he stood to address the room. "'Thank you, Paul,' the general began. "'Let me begin by saying that I'm impressed with what you all been doing and what you've managed to pull together.' He worked his intense gaze over the audience one by one, pausing to lock eyes when he made his points, like he was talking to each of them individually. I know times have been hard since the plague hit, and it's a testament to your perseverance to have worked together to survive and even thrive. And this is a good example of what I want to talk to you about. You have been able to accomplish what you have because you've worked together. He paused and looked over the assembled audience. That's what I'm proposing, that you continue to work together. We work together for a common future. Let's face it, the new reality is truly e pluribus unum. United we stand and divided we fall." You've done a great job pulling together to survive and to establish these communities, but there's still work to be done. He laughed self-deprecatingly and said, Believe it or not, I stand before you representing the government of the United States of America, and I'm at your service. He laughed again. That's my duty. That's my vision, to serve you and everyone else by reestablishing good governance, law and order, and eventually reuniting the country so we can get back what we've lost. When he came to this point, his penetrating glare fell by chance directly on Janet. She felt his strength of character in that brief connection and thought, "'This guy is good.' "'I realize it's not gonna be easy, but nothing worthwhile ever is. "'I'm gonna need help. "'We gotta put a stop to the lawlessness. "'We've gotta pull together and pull resources. "'That's what I'm asking for. your help in rebuilding our country.' "'The general sat back, signaling the conclusion of his speech. "'Not a bad speech.' "'Janet thought. "'He believes what he's saying. "'And who's going to be in charge of this new government?' "'The old man asked from the front row. "'You?' "'The general was quick to reply. "'Not me. I work for the government. "'In the short term, I could be part of the acting leadership, "'but we have laws. "'We have a constitution. "'We will elect new leadership.' "'He paused and added, "'I have been in contact with other bunkers. "'We're not 100% alone in this project.' "'Mags spoke next. "'I don't have any objections to what you're saying, General, "'but as I already told your man.' "'She looked at Brent.' "'I intend to take care of my people "'and build a better life for them, now, with what we have, "'and I'm not interested in sacrificing that "'to work on your project. "'We'll help you when we can, "'but we're looking after our own needs first. "'Paul spoke up next.' "'I agree with Mags. Cooperation in the short run is in all of our best interests, but I'm not sure we, as a community, and as representatives of what remains of the human race, want to simply reinstate what we had before. uh, I—we—think there must be a better way to move forward.' "'Paul continued more forcefully.' If we go back to how it was, go back to your government, within a couple of decades, your politician will have us fighting a war with Mexico or California and building a wall to keep Canadians out. Paul paused significantly and concluded, Your vision of the future is too deeply rooted in the past. I don't share your vision of the future. I know we can do better. Janet could feel the tension in the room. This was a red-flag moment. She watched and waited to see how the general would respond. The untrained observer wouldn't notice the subtle body-language cues that gave away the general's emotions, but she did. The subtle clenching of the jaw, narrowing of eyes, and a slight flaring of the nostrils. He was hiding it well, but he wasn't used to being told no, and he didn't like it. The general quickly mastered himself, taking a deep breath and smiling. He let Paul's objections sit on the table for a few moments before responding— Paul, you make some good points. I appreciate your honesty, and I will work to gain your trust. Like I said, we're all in this together, whether we like it or not. Why don't we uh, agree to disagree in the future and focus on cooperation and security in the present? I can live with that, Paul agreed. I'll help you. "'Janet said from the shadow of the auditorium, surprising everyone. "'The general craned his neck to see who was talking. "'There is no future unless we reestablish the rule of law. "'I can help with that. I know the law. "'I'd appreciate that,' the general said, nodding to her. "'He continued.' "'I've said what I come here to say. "'You know where I stand and what I'm trying to accomplish. "'I could use your help. "'At the end of the day, we're all in this together. "'We're all survivors. "'We're all Americans.' "'This was the point where the old man could no longer contain himself. "'None of your futures will happen unless we can find a cure to this plague.' He interjected, "'Do you have any access to labs or data from the CDC, anything I can use? Surely the government was working to respond.' "'We may have something for you,' the general acquiesced. "'Of course, this is government information, and I need to control access and be kept in the loop as to the results, but I can work with Paul here to arrange something.' "'I don't give a crap about your bureaucracy, General. I'm trying to find a cure,' responded the old man. "'I'm going to need to see what you can get "'when I get back from my current field research.' "'The General raised an eyebrow slightly. "'I'm sure we can work something out.'
0: Hello and welcome back, my survivor friends. I come to you from the snowy depths of winter here in New England. But even though the next two months will be dark and cold, we at the bunker at the headquarters here, we take solace from the knowledge that the shortest days have passed. And we are on the upswing into spring. And I know this because I have been scratching the movements of the sun into the shelter windowsill. Depending when and where I record this, there may be some background hiss here. I'll try to noise remove it, but I have this situation since the tree fell on my house... They have come and ripped out the walls and the ceilings on this side of my house, and they have many fans and a giant humidifier that looks like a Spielbergian robot plowing away to get the moisture out so they can begin the reconstruction. But neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays this courier from the swift completion of his appointed rounds. And you may think, hey, I've heard that phrase somewhere. And you may have. You may have heard it associated with the Postal Service. This is the unofficial motto of the Postal Service. But wouldn't you know it, it is actually a quote from the Greek historian Herodotus in his History of the Persian War. And he's talking about the Persian courier system. So there you go. Think of what Herodotus could have written if he had coffee, like I do. (laughs) Nevertheless, let's get to it, shall we? On the Facebook group, someone asked if Janet reminded us of Lori from The Walking Dead. And it got me to thinking about Janet, because I did a lot of thinking about Janet when I created that character. I had a very clear notion of what I was trying to do and why. And this is sort of my comment back was, that there are a lot of themes to play with with janet first of all the dichotomy for modern women and i mean women of the last 30 to 40 years where they have to be schizophrenically good at corporate politics and then switch to supermom mode at home and then somehow find space for their own mental and physical well-being and how in the process of doing all that they scare the hell out of some men There's a lot of dynamics there. And I was also keenly aware that the majority of the hard science fiction that I have read over the decades has been missing female protagonists. And if they did exist, they were painted with a misogynist brush. I wanted to paint a female character that avoided all those tropes and was on her own journey with all its baggage and all its violence. So yeah, Janet. I really wanted her to stand on her own and figure out her own journey and for us to see all the challenges that brought with it. And you could even draw a parallel to other characters who see the apocalypse as finally creating the space for them to be their true selves, whether that be good or evil or whatever. Anyhow feel free to come over to the Facebook group and chime in. We also had some conversations around these outro comment sections, these sections here, and how someone said they were too long. And going back to this, I'm not entirely sure that's what the original comment was about because it simply said, too much talk, which could be a comment on some of my sentences or a comment on this season having relatively less action so far. These comments come through Spotify. So Spotify decided it was a good idea to add a default question on every episode. Something like, what did you think of this episode? And it must pop up or something. After they... I don't use Spotify, so I don't know. I did not ask them to do this. I suspect they are trying to lure me into some sort of subscription through this. Q&A facility but every now and then I get an email that says something like two fans have responded to your Q&A so this was one of those comments too much talk (laughs) which if someone took the time to open up the app and write something like that then they were motivated right and that's every creative's dream you motivated someone to actually do something besides passively consume you impacted some, someone, right? You created a conversation. And this comment was on that introductory chapter a couple of episodes back about the general. And now that I take the time to think about it, the fan was probably saying that the story is getting too much exposition and not enough action. And I did warn you that I was trying to explore bigger themes this season to build tension... And bigger thoughts about things like, what is the best future? I mean, most people will complain about the present, right? About their situation. But if you ask them to come up with a better plan for the future and a way to get there, they won't be able to tell you. They won't be able to articulate it. They may have some vague notions, but, you know, that's a great question. And that's one of our main conflicts or tensions now as the survivors start to come to grips with what has happened, it is the conflict between different visions of the future. And I'll add that two other themes in this season are love in the apocalypse, which is very interesting, right? How does that work after everybody's dead? And the search for the cure, which I would say is probably a more standard theme but it's going to allow us to have some fun with the disease. And it takes time to set up these themes, and that causes a lull in the action. And in this short podcast format, you don't get a lot of wiggle room to develop the themes. One of the things I was trying to avoid from the start was being just an endless chase scene with a bunch of jump scares. I wanted to consider the audience smart enough to digest some nuance, if done artfully enough because i've read too many contemporary apocalypse genre works where it's just one chase scene after another across 10 books with cardboard characters and for me it's fun for a while but you can't eat cotton candy every meal and expect to live so those are my thoughts on that not everybody's cup of tea maybe but i really have only one fan to keep motivated and that's me Going back to the outro comments, in terms of the length, I don't think length is the issue. (laughs) Ha ha. It's quality. If I can give you something useful or some insight, then it has value, and the number of words is secondary. If it's just me chatting about what I had for breakfast, uh, oatmeal with blueberries and raw almonds, by the way, that's mental masturbation on my part and should be avoided unless you want to go blind. Anyways, I've set it up so you can skip this part when you hear the outro music. So this conversation is entirely optional on your part. But send me your thoughts. Because as you can see, your feedback is the mental grist for my grist All Alright, so what am I reading? Well, I finished that book of 49 Hemingway short stories. And I immediately gave it to someone. Books are not to be hoarded. It was good. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot from it. I read an Apocalypse book last week on Kindle called Nomad Found, and I got it in one of those giveaways from the Science Fiction Writers Group on Facebook. They do these monthly giveaways. This is part of the independent publisher playbook of the last decade, they write these series of novels around a character or a universe and then in Kindle they give the first one in the series away in the hopes that you'll keep reading your way through the series. And it is an effective marketing technique and I have indeed read my way through some of these series. This one is from a universe called The Cutherian Gambit That. When I looked into it, it has a bunch of different authors involved. It's like an author, independent author syndicate of some sort, and it has hundreds of books in this universe. So, anyhow, this particular introductory novel, I uh, had had an interesting character. It was a decent, quick, easy read for the airplane, you know, on my phone, that that kind of book. And I have nothing against these authors, but I wonder how viable this business model is going forward and how they're going to survive in the age of AI. If they can only survive by producing five books a year to keep the machine fed, I have to wonder if that starts to degrade the quality of the work. And, you know, could just be my biases, right? Maybe I'm just biased by an older set of assumptions. So anyhow, I'm reading a few other things, but I'll leave it here for today because my deadline looms, and I don't want to use too many words. Too much talk. You can find us on Facebook by searching Old Man Apocalypse. You can contact me via the contact form on oldmanapocalypse.com. I get them. Remember, you can subscribe on ACAST to get the podcast early and ad-free and you can also buy me a coffee I would appreciate it all the links are in the show notes and on the website rate the podcast and leave a quick review on your app of choice tell your friends by reposting on your socials all that stuff helps thank you for your time and energy remember, listen more than you talk use those words carefully like they are live hand grenades in your hand and keep surviving Botox Cosmetic, auto botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.